Hello, and welcome to the Burning Bridges Outdoors podcast. My name is Kyle Bridges, and I will be your host. My goal for this podcast is to have you follow along as I work and hunt on an active cattle ranch here in southwestern Oklahoma. I'll share my stories and experiences as well as information that might be helpful to anyone. I'm excited to get this podcast up and running, so let's not waste any time and let's get right to it. Hello and good evening. It's November 28th and I hope you all are well and haven't and had a great Thanksgiving. I see some of you are introducing new hunters to the outdoors and that is always an awesome thing to see. It brings back memories of when I was a kid just beginning to learn how to hunt. I have also seen quite a few really nice bucks hit the ground and I would like to send my congratulations to everyone that has filled the tag as well as wish luck to every hunter that has yet to fill one. With my freezer stocked up for now and two bucks in the process of being European mounted, the majority of my attention will turn towards the farm. We're going to be pretty busy these next couple weeks with the final fields that need planting as well as separating the rest of our calves off to be weaned. This week the landowners Ken came down to hunt. I talked to them on Friday afternoon but they hadn't harvested anything as of then. I know there had been a really nice eight point that had been hanging around their spot over the last week or so. I hope that they can put a nice I hope they can put a couple bucks on the ground or at least some meat for the freezer before they go back. It was a productive week around the farm, even though I didn't get everything I wanted to do, but there's always next week. Well, let's not waste any more time and let's get to what went down this past week on the farm. Here's been what's happening around the farm. First thing, Monday Monday morning, I took three cattle panels and used them to fence off the water pump area in the weaning pasture so that the cows couldn't rub up against it and possibly destroy it. Once I got that up and secured, I then had to rehang a gate in the barn inside the pens. Last winter, the calves that were in that went there previously had their way with it and snapped off one of the metal hinges. I then had to find a plug that would fit onto the wires of the water pump. It took me a, it took me a couple tries to find one that would work, but once I found one that would fit it went together fairly smoothly and water was soon flowing into the thousand gallon tub for the cows outside of the pens. After I got those those tasks done I made the rounds as the tub filled and by the time I got back to that pasture the tub was almost full. I also had to put some water in the smaller tub that is inside the pens so that the cows and calves wouldn't be able to bump and knock it around and destroy the PVC pipe fittings that are underneath it. On Tuesday, after I made the rounds and started to fill the the pasture tub, I met up with Jay, the landowner, who is also my boss, 
so that we could try and catch our big herd to separate the calves to begin weaning. Our plans didn't really work out like we had hoped, so we decided to try for, uh, on Wednesday. I got out to work early the next day and began to close off part of the pasture so that the cows could be funneled into the pens. I took a couple bags of cake with me into the pens to entice the cows and calves long enough for Jay to corral and push the rest of them behind me with the side-by-side. -side. Once we got them pushed in to the pens and the gate shut behind us, um, we began to sort them out. In the process of sorting out the calves from the cows, we also decided to keep one cow back that had had trouble calving this year. It took us a couple hours to get them all sorted out, but we got it done. After that, I began to close off the north end of the pens with the remaining continuous fence panel and a couple of wire cattle panels. I then went up to the farmhouse to grab a bale of hay and to make sure that the creek feeder was ready to go. After I dropped off the bale, I went back to hook up to the feeder and take it to the pens. I stuck around for a few minutes after I left the after I left the pens into the larger area to see how they would react to their new place. I told Jade that I would be out at the farm on Thursday to make to make the rounds. I knew that they were going to be busy and thought that I would offer to help take care of the cattle duties so they could focus on planting. I also needed to put a sec our second smaller creep feeder underneath our overhead bin where we store our creep feed. We've been having issues with the feed getting stuck and hung up on the sides and inside the bin from a past delivery that was sticky. We think that it might we think that it might help if we leave it open and bang around on the sides and leave it the feeder parked underneath for a few days. I also had to put a siphon on the tub and the cattle pins because I put it in the wrong spot. Um, on Friday after I made the rounds, I took a five gallon bucket to help get the little bit of the water that was in the tub out so I could move it into the right spot. I then had to go up to the shop to look for a hose that would reach since the one I was using wasn't long enough. I eventually found a couple hoses that would reach and begin to let that tub fill. So that was what went down this past weekend around the farm. I felt a little sick throughout the week, which kept me from working on the new orchard fence, but hopefully this coming week I'll feel more up to it. Also, we'll be attempting to catch and separate our Hereford herd so that we can get the calves to the vet and worked over. Now it's time for the rut report. Throughout the week, I witnessed both mature and younger bucks chasing and tending does. I saw a nice eight point messing around with a doe on one of the northern pastures. I believe there's still time to put that target buck on the ground. I think they're cruising and checking up on doe bedding areas while looking for those does that are cycling back into heat. I've had good success in late November and early December in past seasons. I would try maybe locating a food source that you know the doe are frequently at or an area that has a concentration of doe. 
I try maybe some blind calling using some grunts maybe mix in some estrus and doe bleats maybe get a little aggressive try a snort weeds if you have a buddy that has harvested a, a doe or a buck recently see if they'll let you have the tarsal glands those are deadly this time of year Jay and myself were talking on Wednesday morning before we began to work the herd. He congratulated me on the two bucks that I had harvested this season and also complimented me on my style of hunting. He likes the fact that I don't use feeders or put on any kind of attractant. He thinks that hogs really began to show up once his hunters began to put up feeders. Well, I believe that if he could do it over again, he probably wouldn't allow feeders to be used. On his land at least. I will say that I believe that if you are going to be using a feeder you should be using it all year long. I feel the same way about food plots. If you have a food plot meant for hunting season then you should have food plots meant for the rest of the season to feed the deer not just during season. We also talked about what the plans are for the farm we think that we are going to try to to merge the two herds together after the first of the year sometime. Maybe when we turn our bulls out, since the two herds will be in the pastures next to each other. Luckily, we haven't had a real bad killing off freeze this yet this year. Uh, we've been close a couple times, though. We think it will be better on the pastures to have just one herd. We have quite a we have quite a lot for groceries on the northern side of our pastures but the pastures around the farmhouse where the herefords are they're not regenerating as fast as you know we'd like them to uh, we haven't grazed our homestead pastures in hopes that they'll be loaded for the coming winter for this segment i would like to go over what happens after the shot I know it can be tough and challenging to try and remember every detail about what happens after the shot. For me, I try to make sure I make a good mental note of the area where the animal was standing when I shot it and of the last spot that I can see before the deer runs out of sight. The amount of time I wait before beginning to blood trail depends on a couple of things. One of which is what type of weapon I'm using, and the other depends on if it's a good shot or not. If I'm archery hunting, and the shot appears to be good and in the right spot, I will usually give it 30 to 45 minutes before I begin to track. If the shot, if the shot is far back and doesn't appear that it hit any vitals, then I will generally back out and give it at least two hours if I shot it if the shot happens in the morning if I'm hunting in the evening and I make a shot that doesn't appear to be very good and it might require more time then I will just back out I will mark the spot where I shot and then I will back out and wait until morning If I'm using a rifle and the shot appears to be good and hit vitals, then I will usually 
wait around 20 to 30 minutes before I go look for blood. If the shot doesn't appear to be good and I can't follow up with an additional shot, then I will let that animal have some time, usually a couple hours more depending on how the shot looked and if there are any clues at the site of impact. When approaching a downed animal, I always look at the eyes once I'm up close enough to, to, to see them. I've always said if they are open, the animal is usually dead, and if they are closed, the animal might have some life left in them. It would be best to put another round in it and just to be on the safe side if you can. If you have the opportunity, even, even with archery, if you have the opportunity to take another shot, to get a little bit better shot, I would go ahead and just put another arrow in it. I would hate for anyone to get hurt or attacked from an animal just because they didn't know that it was still alive. I've walked up on deer and, deer and hog um, with their eyes closed, and I just go ahead and I just put another shot in them anyway. But I will say I don't ever remember walking up to a deer or hog and seeing its eyes open and then moving. Once you have confirmed that the deer has expired, then it's time to field dress it. The first thing I always do before gutting the animal is remove the tarsal glands. Be careful though, I, I never use the same knife to cut those glands off as I do to gut and process the deer. Um, the glands can affect the way that the meat, the meat tastes in my opinion. I take out a clean knife and make a small incision about midway on the underneath side of the belly. I'll take that cut all the way up to the sternum and all the way to the rear end. It's not a real deep cut, it's just a real short, it's pretty much just showing you a path of where, where you're going to go. Then I carefully cut deeper until I get into the inner cavity. Then once I'm inside, I'll slowly guide the knife blade up to the sternum and into the chest cavity where then I'll reach up around the windpipe to cut it free. Once this is done, you can then begin to cut away at the connecting tissue that holds all the internal organs together and inside. I personally like to have a small hatchet or a bone saw to cut through the pelvic bone or ridge. I just feel it's easier. You can cut right if once you cut through the pelvis, then in the while you're pulling everything and cutting everything away, you can pull everything through there in one easy swoop. I have found it's much easier to cut through the pelvis than to try to go around the pelvis by cutting up through the anal cavity and cutting everything away and pulling it up through that way. The final step, once you have the organs out, will be to drain the excess blood from the deer for me what I will do is
tying the antlers or front legs off to the bed of my truck once I get it up off the ground enough to drain. So then that way I can get in the bed of the truck and help it drain even further. Most of the time I will hang the deer up overnight if it's going to be cold enough and work it up the next morning if I'm hunting in the evening. If I take a deer in the morning, then I'm usually going to cut it and hang. I'm usually going to hang it and cut it up the same day. Well, that'll about do it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Be sure to leave a comment and review and let me know how I'm doing. This is all still pretty new to me. And I think I'm getting the hang of it slowly. This week should be a busy one with trying to catch our Hereford herd and getting them and getting the cats to the vet. I hope to I hope to also get some progress done on the orchard fence. If I get any room in my freezer, I might have to sneak off in the woods and do a little doe management. I've been seeing one around the farm that has a double throat patch, and I don't think I've ever harvested one with with one of those. I guess it'd be almost like killing two birds with one stone in a way. I'm also trying to figure out how to have guests on the podcast. So as soon as I figure it out, I'll try to have one join us. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care and be safe out there, y'all.